Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 37. It's great to be back. My name is Gabe Estel, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Jonathan Getz and Dennis Levi Leach. How's it going, guys? Absolutely great. Fantastic. Glad to hear it. The hot stove is heating up. Some major moves have already been had. But first, before we get into that, want to tell everybody to check out our website, rockchew.com. You can find every episode, uh, as well as a lot of the fun stuff that we've referenced during the episodes. Some of our favorite music, uh, some baseball facts. Um, our last episode, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, was uh, we were lucky enough to get an interview with a talented singer-songwriter, Edward David Anderson, who is uh, spending a lot of time touring the Southeast. Uh, so check his record out, uh, edwarddavidanderson.com, uh, and please listen to our, our interview with Ed. I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, also you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at rockin. That's in as in um, Dianeer Navarro. Rock in Chew. So that's at Rock in Chew on Twitter and Instagram. And like us on Facebook and tell your friends to do the same, please. So let's go ahead and start off with um, the leadoff portion of the show. And as you guys know, during our last episode, the tr- um, you know the, the hot stove was just kind of sort of the dial had just been turned on. And now really the biggest um, the biggest fish, so to speak, has already been reeled in. Yeah. And uh, just a couple days ago, David Price signed with the Red Sox for um, what I'm told is the largest pitching contract ever, right? Yeah. As far as amount of money right yeah, yeah. i'm pretty sure I, I would assume. and he's he's conveniently two million dollars more than kershaw i think <laughs> conveniently so yeah the 30 million mark 30 million annually has um has been reached um yeah so price is going to be making about uh looks like about a million bucks a start 30 so, million plus for a guy that's already 30 i know oh i I want to say it, man. That guy is like a like a sneeze away from an injury. And he, he just started seems, early. He, he, he just he, seems he like he's due. Yeah. He just seems like he's – nobody goes their whole career without an injury. He's been of a some little, kind, especially yeah. as a pitcher. Seven years at least, right? Yeah. Oh, he's he's got a lot of – he's got a lot of innings under his belt. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean – it's just because uh... if you remember when uh, the Rays were making their run in the playoffs, and he came in as a reliever, um, he was like the hot young prospect yeah. that they had just drafted. Got a Van- he's a Vanderbilt guy. Yeah, uh, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, he's well, started and... more than he started more than twenty games since two thousand and nine. Every season. Wow. Yeah, so he's already got fourteen hundred innings under his belt. Damn. Yeah, that's a lot on an arm, man. It is. Uh, yeah, when, before it, the age of 30. When you guys first texted me, the my gut reaction was, that's desperate to win type of money. It is. Just for the... I, I couldn't believe that the Red Sox were, would give him that. Much. They finished last three out of four years. Yeah. That, that's why. I mean, you know, you think about, like... Um, I was thinking about this, and um, to, to reply to Levi's comment... Um, you know, there's a handful of franchises, and there aren't many of them. You know, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, maybe the Yankees—not as much as they used to be, probably. Angels. Ants. They just, they just, they just won't tolerate losing for that long. 
as long yeah. as probably our three clubs will. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and and with the Red Sox, like Jonathan mentioned, you know, they they had finished a, a team that's used to winning World Series when you finish, you know, uh, last place three out of four years. Granted, the year that they didn't, they won the World Series. They, they were the <laughs> Austin's either winning the World Series or finishing in last place. <laughs> Um, I'm sure it was one of those things at the end of last year, like, you know, heads are going to roll. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. You know, owner slamming his fist on the table. Um, <laughs> and, and those are the types of organizations um, that just, you know, they uh, they have much less patience than than a lot of others do. Yeah. You know, so I while I, I am surprised that he he got paid that high annually i knew he was going to get the years just because that's yeah yeah number one guy that's just kind of how the way it works now um he can opt out after three years though yeah and god i mean what the fuck and he can opt out as well yeah it's a sweet deal Uh, um so you know and i think there's a new norm kind of emerging that and only like i just like i mentioned only a handful of teams really have the luxury of being able to do this but they um, they just kind of figure those last three years are are kind of irrelevant, you know. When you're talking yeah. like a senior deal for a guy that's thirty, yeah. I think the Cubs kind of accepted that with 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 Lester, you know. Yeah. I mean, um, there's no way he's going to be like a Cy Young caliber pitcher for seven years when what he's already thirty one. I think. Yeah, Pretty- I mean, I need to figure out if the Cubs are still paying for Edwin Jackson because he was a. <laughs> You know what I mean? It yeah. deals like this can come back and bite you, and that's one example. Just there. I think Jackson was four or five years, which yeah. is too many. But I mean, these, for these ace guys now, if they're if they're under thirty-one, you know, it's like it's it's got to be like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Johnny Cueto is going to get a six or seven deal, one hundred fifty million at least, probably million. Um, you know, Jordan Zimmerman got actually kind of a of a, a little bit of a tamer deal than um, I, uh, you know, he yeah he kind of just wanted to get signed, I guess. Yeah, like he. With. Uh, I think him and his agent thought that a lot of people might think he was more of a commodity than what I think, mm-hmm. because uh, or I guess a negative commodity for the fact that he is coming back from an injury, right? Didn't he have Tommy John or? Yeah, he did. I think, right? Jordan Zimmerman. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I think he's coming back. He had some kind of injury to where I think he and his agent thought his, his worth was less. And so they kind of took the first offer that came is what it sounds like. He's still really rich, you know? No, yeah. God. (laughs) Yeah, even if it's only like only a hundred and twenty million dollar deal, hundred and twenty five million dollar deal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um so Levi, I want to talk to you about this because you know, the Cubs were kind of I, I don't think any any formal offers from what I hear in the media, formal offers were made to price, but they were they were in on the conversation. Yeah, like they had talks or whatever. The relationship with Joe and and Price from working Tampa. together and Honestly, when I first heard, I was thankful just because I, for some reason, I just got, I, not that I want to wish bad on anyone, but I just feel like that guy's due for an injury. Yeah. And so to give that kind of money to someone his age, I just, I don't know. And his track record in the playoffs isn't that great, right? No. Yeah. The Blue Jays were avoiding starting him. 
And so, like, I, you know, that's not somebody I want to have on my team. Yeah. I'd still take him on my team. Well, yeah. <laughs> million dollars a year for seven years. Yeah, but at that cost, yeah. 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 Well, you know, so, yeah, the Cubs were kind of, um, they were in on the conversation, but it looks like, I guess St. Louis was the second choice, apparently, I, I had heard as well. Um, so, so Price is off the table and Zimmerman's off the table. So, like, the only two, like, there's a lot of pitchers still available, a lot of yeah. good pitchers. But, like, the only two, like, aces are Grinky and Cueto. You mm-hmm. know, like, like, two, like, number one guy type mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. And Whereas, at this point, I'd consider Cueto a 1B. Yeah, right. Um, but then after those guys, you've got a lot of, like, quality two and three guys. Yeah, middle, middle rotation guys, for sure. And I heard on the – I was listening to uh, another podcast today, and um, which isn't as nearly as fun or insightful as ours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were talking about the Cubs maybe having the ability to get two starting pitchers. Um either via signing and Levi, you might not like the names here that the guy proposed, but he said, what about Samarja and lackey? There has been over the last like two weeks, a crap ton of talk about Samarja coming back. Like, I guess he's, I guess he's visited with like Chris Baggio already. And like, I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't want him again for a second run. I wasn't that impressed with his first run as a Cub, really. I mean, he was our best pitcher on teams during years where where the competition wasn't that. Yeah, not a whole lot of people in the stadium. At 29, he's a couple years younger than these other. I don't know. I don't know how old Zimmerman is, but it's that's irrelevant now. Um, he's he's you know younger than a little a little bit younger than Price, Cueto, and Grinky. Um, so he's got that going for him and he will probably be more in like the four year or five year range. So the commitment necessarily isn't as, as, um, as taxing. Well, and, and I've heard he would take less money just to say in Chicago. Yeah. He's a Northwest Indiana guy and you know, he's played for both Chicago teams. He's coming off a bad year, but, um, you know, there's, I'm not defending some art. His, his tenure with the White Sox was really bad, but um, I still think there's some there's some good pitching that's left. Oh, yeah. I think he could be a really – I don't think he'll ever be ace material. Oh, I don't think he's a number one guy either. Um, I, 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 I'm not even sure a number two guy. thought he might become one, um, but I don't think so now. Hmm. Um, he's more like a, a two or a three. Um, and I'm, I would be totally comfortable with him as like my three, you know. Um well, yeah, and I mean, if if, if somehow the Cubs sign both Lackey and Zamarja, like that would make Zamarja the number five guy, I would think. Because I mean, we have Les, Lester, right? Lester Arrieta, I put, Hamill, or yeah, oh, I put Zamarja above Hamill or Hendricks. Yeah, yeah, Bill. Yeah, I'll have to. Yeah. I don't, don't hate on him that hard, Levi. <laughs> I'm trying not to, but man, he just left a sour taste in my mouth. He's like, was, he's like, I'll, I'll let him uh, wash my jock. I guess I watched a lot of games where he showed, I don't know, like almost like Zambrano like 
Oh yeah, he gets just like getting pissed off yeah. and like. Yeah. Granted, I want that. Like, I want a competitor, but like, don't let him face the Royals. You can, you can, uh, you can tell when it's like Zabarge is just like pissed off and doesn't yeah. want to pitch, and I don't know. Yeah. So, um, do you think with the way that the price signing went, uh, that we're due for like Bryce Harper or Trout? Are they going to get four hundred million on their next oh. contract? Harper like the next level money like like yeah. I, whenever what is it two more years he's got something like that He'll I be think. A, Harper will be a free agent in 2019 it says he's arbitration eligible after next season I think or 2017 um or his client too but he's not going to be a free agent it says and on baseball reference until 2019 um and then Trout's a free agent the next year after the next after 2020 they still won't be 30 yet, right? Either one of those They'll guys? be, um, Harper will be 29, I believe. Yeah, 28. No, I'm sorry, 27. Harper oh, will be 27 when he's a free agent. I mean, Harper's going to get the biggest contract ever, I think. For an um, offensive player. I, I, yeah. I don't, I mean, just, that's just kind of. It's going to be at least 350, probably 400 million. Well, and what Ten the years. thing is. If Trout's the next year, is he going to top it the next year? Um. Yeah. Yes. You know that's yes, what I'm that's saying. That's exactly like, what's going to happen. Like if if Harper would set that precedent, the next player to come along that's going to be awesome yep. that everybody's yep. going to want to sign is Trout. Yeah. It, the, I, I would be over thirty, right, at that time, or no? Um. So Harper is currently twenty three, and Trout is currently. Um, Oh, sorry. Harper would be like 27. Trout would be. How, how old did you say? Can't. He's maybe. He's only like a year or two older, right? Uh, Trout is currently. Uh, sorry, it's not doing my math here for me. Uh, <laughs> no, just. He was born in 91. He's currently 24. Um, so, yeah, he'd be 29. Yeah. yeah. And with the way he's playing. Um, yeah. yeah, those guys will get huge deals. Um, they'll both get 10 year deals for a shitload of money, you know? I mean, we're talking half, we're getting up to half a billion dollars now for a contract. I tell you. Half a bill. Half a bill. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They'll That's probably, awesome. Harper will probably <laughs> Yankees. Um, so, so yeah, so, you know, the Cubs too, I think, you know, the, the speculation that's been going on for a while is, you know, when do they trade one of these pieces, right? Yeah. Uh, so if you don't want to really pony up the money for another potential ace, like if you, and I haven't really heard the Cubs attached to Grinky, no, uh, or Cueto, uh, I don't know, maybe, but uh, I just, I, I'm with Levi. I don't see them, even though they do have cash now, I don't see them spending the type of money they did like they did last year, like with somebody like Lester, um, and Grinky would be even more than that. Yeah, uh, it's too many eggs in that basket. Yeah. Um, you know, like, they could, but, I mean, they could swing a trade for, like, a really quality guy. Like, the name I heard brought up was, because the Braves have no offense, maybe Shelby Miller. Yeah, I think um, everybody I wants Shelby Miller. Miller, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does, because isn't, he's the guy that, like, throws, like, 100, right? I mean, he can. I don't know he, anything about him. I faced him some on the Cardinals. I, I got to watch him pitch a few times, but other than that, I don't know a ton about him. Young. It's, because a lot of people think like he hasn't he's good but he hasn't really like totally broken through yet but he's right on the verge of it you know yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah like maybe like you know I mean like 
package like Solaire and somebody else, you know, and, and maybe get him. Um, that, that might be a possibility. Um, get him and Hayward, and then you have the two guys involved in that trade. Because <laughs> it was Hayward for Miller, Hayward right? Miller. Yeah, right? I think yeah. it was. Well, Hayward, um, you know, the biggest offensive, offensive target uh, this offseason, I um, – I I was pretty high on that guy last year, and he he did produce in St. Louis, um, but the power's not there like people thought it would be. He's a hell of a de- defensively, he's awesome, um, but uh, yeah, it's I guess I never really like I thought, and he's young. I mean, he's he's only twenty five, so he's got that going for him. But like people are saying, like man, like twenty mil a year, it's like damn, yeah, really? yeah, it's like God, I know, it just. <laughs> And I, I hate to sound like, you know, like all that, like always complaining about money in baseball. I mean, hell, it's not our money, but um, but <laughs> I, I, I guess I get really indignant when like I hear about like, you know, I'm like, ah, <laughs> 20 million, whereas I shouldn't care. Right. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's jarring to think. It, I mean, Hayward's really good, but, you know, he's he's still I, I wouldn't say he's unproven talent, but he's. He's a bit of a disappointment for, at yeah. the plate. Yeah, the, the, like the power's not there, you know, even though yeah. he's, I mean, he's built like a Greek god. You right, know? exactly. He looks like he would just, type of guy that would hit 45 home runs. Yeah. He's more like, you know, 14 home runs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and the deep, but the defense is great. He's um, like a poor man's Adrian Gonzalez at the plate. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems um, like Aegon should hit 40 a year, but he gets like 24. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, and now they're saying, you know, the, the Cubs might be in on him. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he might end up back in St. Louis as well. I, I, I don't know. But um, it's he's he's a flawed top target. You know what I mean? Like, for yeah. like, yeah, he's not proven. Right. For the best offensive player this offseason, which most people would agree is him, the best offseason free agent. He's yeah. kind of weaker ones in a while. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the big. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Stove's um, just heating up. Yeah, yeah. So it is, it is, yeah. And, I, you know, I am I love baseball, so I like a lot of some of the smaller moves that are made. So I'm curious to see how some of these other guys shake out. You know, those pitchers we were talking about a minute ago, like Mike Leake, Ian Kennedy, um, maybe Lackey, maybe Samarja. So, um, uh, you know, it's... I'll, I'll be curious to see how those guys shake out and then kind of like where where some people end up, what the trade targets are um, with the White Sox. You know, I um, you know, I don't know if you guys saw we signed Alex Avila to a. Um, oh, yeah. A, a one year deal. Yeah. yeah. Like one year, two million bucks. So it's kind of low risk, maybe two and a half million. Um, he uh, I don't know, like four or five years ago, he was awesome. But then he's had like twelve concussions. Um, yeah, he's and we non-tendered Tyler Flowers yesterday or today, and um, while Tyler Flowers is only like a two twenty-five career hitter, um, he's one of the best framers in baseball. Um, he's really good at that, and also he started to pick up his offense last year. You know, he kind of like hovered around two fifty or so. So I just don't. What I'm trying to say is, long story short, I don't see how platooning Alex Avila and Navarro is better than Flowers. You know what I mean? Like, right. 
you guys didn't really get much this is this, of an upgrade. It's this patchwork veteran, you know, cheap. It's this, it's this, you know, this nickel and dime, shit, you know. So, oh, yeah. Um, when I say nickel and dime, I mean millions of dollars. But you know, <laughs> yeah, um, I don't see the White Sox. Um, you know, we are so many pieces away from being a contender. I think that it's not this problem isn't going to be fixed in one off season. Yeah. You know? You're just burning some time in the meantime. Right. You know, you we need have, somebody back there. We need, we need, we need a whole new infield, you know, I mean, we need an entirely new infield. Um, I, I mean, I maybe a Brayu, but you know, I, I don't necessarily know if he's um, going to be, uh, you know, they're going to move him to DH and, or, or keep him at first base. My prediction is this. The White Sox don't ever like to admit that they're rebuilding. They just don't, you know, like some teams are comfortable with it and they say, yeah, you know, this is this is the way it is. The White Sox aren't like that. They're kind of stubborn. So even if they're like a, you know, the 10 game below 500 team, which we kind of are right now, um, you know, we'll still admit like we got a chance. I see us doing something dumb and like signing a veteran like um, like David Freeze. You know what I mean? Something like yeah. that. Like somebody who's a good player, but not a great player. They've and plateaued. Like, who is plateaued, who you'll probably have to kind of pay a little more than they deserve as well. <laughs> Just because uh, of the name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I could yeah. see them doing kind of something stupid like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I would just rather take the approach, trade Chris Sale for best prospects you can get which you could get any team's best prospects for chris sale and just just be comfortable with kind of sucking for a year or two yeah yeah and then you know draft well maybe you know scout the international market and then come back in two years and start kicking ass you know that's what i want but i don't think they'll do that they like to do very patchwork kind of things so anyway all right, moving on, moving on. Um, we'll keep everybody abreast of the free agent. I'm sure you'll, free agents, uh, you'll see us talking about it on social media um, as well. Well, let's hold on, though, a second. One second. The Royals, Jonathan, mm-hmm. Alex Gordon is, is not coming back, right? I mean, it's Probably just, not. Yeah. Probably not. All right. I figured as much, because I've heard, um, um, God, where did, Maybe somebody like Baltimore might be interested in him. I, don't, I, I think a lot of people are interested in him. I'm but, sure. Yeah. yeah. So so he's not coming back, but... I think just as long as he doesn't go to Detroit is yeah. all Kansas City's hoping for. Right. It would just be kind of a slap in the face. Yeah. So you won the World Series. It's not like you really need much anyway, you know? So. Yep. It's, it's Midwestern World Series town problems. Yes. Well, moving on. Um, tonight, um, we've got a fun topic for you. Um, talking about sort of the um, the physical and visual side of music. Um, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite album covers and the artists behind them. Um, and some people might be saying, what are these album covers? Spotify, I yeah. mean, they have an icon, but right. what is that? Yeah, so we've got some actual physical album covers to share with you. Um, and then we're going to talk about some some ones that stand out to us. Um, and so uh, 
you know, I guess we'll just let it rip. Um, Levi, why don't you uh, you tell us uh, what, uh, what uh, covers your profile? Well, yeah, I was going to uh, talk about four different artists. Um, two of them work in mediums, and then two of them are photographers. Um, the first is a woman who I'm sure everyone has seen an album cover by, by this woman. Her name is Margot Nahas, N-A-H-A-S. And her most famous album cover is this one right here. Yeah. And you, so... Um, will you explain to our, our, our audio-only podcast yeah, listeners that album this cover? this is Van Halen, 1984. And a classic shot of the angel smoking the cigarette. The cherub. Yeah. And so she actually... She had this. Like, they came to her and wanted to see, like, what she had. And she showed them her portfolio... And this was like one of the first ones they saw, and they were like, "That's the album cover." Mm-hmm. Oh, it was straight from her portfolio. It wasn't yeah. commissioned. It was not commissioned. Yeah. And uh, another band that she did all the artwork for is the band Autograph. Nice. Love this that. is uh, yeah. This is sign in please that has uh, radios on that. Man. Yeah. Turn up the radio. And her, the other covers from Autograph are excellent too. All robots and yeah, very yeah. futuristic. She also did uh, Stevie Wonder's The Secret Life of Plants. Um, she designed the Sammy Hager VOA logo with, like, the eagle. Was it, oh, okay, the logo. Because, like, the album cover's, like, 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 yeah. down, like, on a parachute on the Capitol. Yeah, thing, but, right? like, where it says, like, VOA, it's, like, yeah. it's, it's all, like, she was an airbrush artist. Yeah. He's got the jumpsuit on. He's like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I had that. This on. is how we went to work every day. Don't <laughs> <knock> it. <laughs> she uh, she also did the artwork for Rick James Stone City Band record, and uh, yeah, she's really talented. She I don't think does any uh, artwork like this anymore. I think she does jewelry now. So you can look her up on the web. Margot Nahas, I believe, is how you say her last name. How do you spell uh, the, it? N-A-H-A-S. Okay. Uh, the next one, I don't have anything by him to show you, unfortunately. Uh, but it's Derek Riggs. And Derek Riggs is famous for doing all the Iron Maiden artwork. Uh, he came up with Eddie, the classic Iron Maiden cartoon. And um, it was one of those things where he showed them a portfolio and he had the kind of the thing going. And they made him like make him have long hair. That was like their stipulation. They're like Eddie has to have long hair, right? And uh, all, all of his artwork is excellent. He kind of I think got into a riff with the band, so he doesn't do anything for them anymore. But oh, um, really? he yeah. did, like, um, you know, like uh, somewhere like Nature or um, Number of the Beast and Somewhere in Time. Oh yeah, like all of their famous albums. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a Power Slave. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, awesome! I love all the different Eddie like backdrops. Yeah. I love yeah. and Eddie and yeah. Future Cop Eddie and <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I saw him, man. Like all those Eddies came out. Oh yeah, it was great. <laughs> awesome. I mean, if you think about it, it has to be one of the most iconic images in the history of rock. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 No, I don't think one band has has like a mascot that's right. as noticeable or recognizable. Right. Um, um, like ne- this guy, like is like kind of like like a not as awesome Eddie, you know what who I mean? Who is that? Megadeth's guy. Oh, Megadeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. talking about yeah, yeah. he sells, but who's yeah. buying? Yeah, he's got like, yeah. the 
sort of gas mask. Post-apocalyptic, movie. yeah. Right? Uh, he's he's like the inferior Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I still like him. I, I think he's I, cool. I, I love Megadeth. Yeah, anyway. I'd, I'd still run from him. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> In a totally metal sort of way. Right. Um, the last two, the first one is Ethan Russell, and he is a photographer who uh, is well-known. Um, everyone has seen his records. Um, he did Let It Be. He did Get Your Yaya's Out. Um, he did Who's Next. Oh, wow. He did also the two records I'm going to hold up. Here's the first one. The Rolling Stones Through the Past Darkly, the yeah. uh, Big Hits Volume 2. It's like their faces are all smushed up against a pane of glass. And then uh, one of my favorite we all had this cd it was the cd everybody bought of the who in the 90s if you were into the who he took this yeah which is uh, which is an epic photo of the who yeah from who's better who's best and and i will say man in lp form you just you get a lot because i mean i was used to seeing it in like a cd booklet size you know to like be able to have it as like a 12 by 12 inch piece of art seventh grade man and it, it definitely oh. changed changed my directions oh, dude that sure. was the who cd you had to have in the 90s yeah for They'll... some reason um uh, uh phil bozarth had two copies and i think i bought one of them from him <laughs> nice. only complaint about those albums is they it's the short it's the edited version of won't yep. get right. who are you yeah yep. Yep. Um, yeah it's, it's like the radio cuts yeah yeah Photos probably because that album came out in like the late '80s, you know, as a compilation. But yeah, I want to say it was like, uh, five or so, like the photos. '88. Yeah, I mean, I think the photos from like mid. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like meaty, meaty, kind of. Era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah everybody has seen his uh, the the get your yayas out with the stones where it's Charlie Watts and like the donkey and shit. It's just like absurd. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. It's uh, yeah. It's it's well framed for sure. The uh, and the last one, I don't have anything to show, but Jonathan can pull stuff. Um, his name is Francis Wolf, and he was the basically like kind of he got some producer credits, I believe, there, but he was like the house photographer at Blue Note. Oh, and nice. so oh, yeah. the the John Coltrane Blue Train cover, mm-hmm. he did that. He had all those like, good. Noirish images. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Herbie Hancock, Art Blakey, mid-century Miles modern Davis, stuff. Yeah. Sonny Rollins, Jimmy Smith. Um, just there's tons of them. Yeah. He just iconic like shots. The design of, of those albums is is impeccable. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, just real Absolutely. clean, um, well executed. You could tell it was a Blue Note album. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Very so cool. yeah, those were four guys that I think deserve mention, or four people, and uh, I, I would say somebody, everybody has seen one of those people's albums sometime in their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey Levi, but, with any of those guys, if if they have links, um, if they have like active websites, yeah, uh, I'll we, post I them can, on the episode uh, webpage. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. That's right on. All right. Um, all right. So I guess I'll go. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to focus on a couple different artists and then a couple random ones. Uh, uh, Ed Fotheringham is a guy from, I believe he's from Australia, but he moved to uh, uh, northwest 
uh, uh, Washington in uh, the early 90s. And uh, he happened to be, have some connections when a bunch of people started to need album covers. And so he did uh, Mud Honey. Uh, he did a lot of Mud Honey's work. Uh, Ed, Ed has a very uh, uh, kind of uh, sketchy, modern uh, feel to him. Uh, and uh, with a piece of cake here. And uh, my brother, the cow, he also did. And actually, my favorite is a uh, 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 Mud Honey compilation, March to Fuzz, uh, nice. which uh, has awesome colors. It's really uh, great stuff. He does. He also does a lot of a '60s kind of look to it. That exactly, album. exactly. Oh. Yeah, and this actually hung on my wall for several years. Um, but uh, he also does like kids books, and he does uh, jazz album covers as well. Um, uh, but yeah, he, uh, we even have a poster of his hanging in our, uh, over our mantle. Um, he does some pretty cool stuff of like the space needle. Um, but yeah, Ed fathering him, uh, was his name. And he, he said, he said it was interesting that as soon as he started doing that work for them, uh, in Seattle, he, he got some, uh, cachet and he immediately moved out to New York and started doing work for like really fancy publications uh just based on that uh that reputation that he had built so quickly um uh and then to uh, actually stay in the northwest uh one of my favorite uh, graphic designers of all graphic designers by the way i am a graphic designer i get paid to do stuff like that um <laughs> but not nearly to this um execution um is the ames brothers and the ames brothers most famous client is pearl jam and they've uh, they designed uh, a few Pearl Jam albums, including uh, probably my favorite album design of all time, which is Vitology, um, uh, which uh, you know looks like an old book. It's based on an actual old book. That yes, of course, I have a copy of. Fucking dork. <laughs> <laughs> Vitology were were health books in their early twentieth century, and they released them like every year for whatever twenty years. And That's so they cool. modeled it after that, and it took it actually delayed it almost delayed the release of the album because they had to get rights to some of the stuff. Um, but the uh, you know it's got a pretty badass booklet in there with uh, lots of odd. It's very strange health stuff. Um, uh, Pearl Jam took on some really cool packaging, you know, um, yeah. in the in the early nine yeah. nineties, um, which I think started to get bands to sort of think about packaging in new ways and stuff right i mean they have no code yeah 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 so no code um which if if people don't know uh, if you fold it out uh you you know it has the you can see the eyeball with the triangle around it uh which is you know fun stuff built with polaroids that ed took uh, i guess um and then the yeah then the yield uh cover which has you know the the die cut yield uh, sign in there uh so pretty creative stuff ames brothers uh, you know i have tons of their posters also around me yeah around. yeah <laughs> uh, uh yeah they, they the quality of stuff is is unparalleled i think in rock and roll design uh if i do say so um so yeah it, that, for contemporary stuff you know post 1980 1990 uh, that's what I that's what I prefer. Otherwise, um, 
uh, one of my favorites is uh, Allman Brothers' Fillmore East classic shot of the band in an alley. Um, Not in New York City, mind you. Actually, the shot was in Macon. Uh, uh, Classic shot, yeah, of the band uh, in front of their gear uh, in an alley and uh, Greg Allman laughing uproariously because Dwayne Allman had just uh, went and scored from his dealer and is actually hiding it uh, with a shit-eating grin on his face. Uh, what he had just scored from his dealer at the end of the alley. Then on the back is all the roadies um, with... Uh, Red beard? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're all sporting um, uh, 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 PBR Tallboys, which is... Uh, Jim Marshall was the photographer uh, yeah. for this. He had to he bribed them with the PBR Tallboys. Um, and uh, uh, so Jim Marshall also did... Uh, Lots of famous stuff, including the, the Hendrix Monterey Pop, uh, lighting the guitar on fire, you know, where he's summoning the fire yeah. from the guitar. Uh, that's Joe Marshall there. Um, and speaking of Allman Brothers Band, um, uh, James Flournoy Holmes designed that uh, famous Eat a Peach cover, which I think is probably one of the most iconic images in the history of rock. Um, sure. But maybe I'm partial to that. Uh, and with the peach, you know, the truck and the peach on the front, and uh, the watermelon uh, on the car on the back. And then the inside. The inside illustration, uh, which you know we've all glanced oh, at yeah. before, you, is just you trippy spend as an hell. hour staring at it. it <laughs> you know, and there's lots of... Uh, there, there are lots of breasts and dongs <laughs> in it. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And he did a lot of... Flournoy Holmes did a lot of stuff for um, Southern Rock bands, including uh, this Marshall Tucker album. Nice. Uh, which is a beautiful album cover mm-hmm. um, uh, for their uh, self-titled uh, release. Um, and yeah, they they, uh, they did a lot of stuff down there, including uh, Driving a Crying and actually uh, my favorite Widespread Panic album. Okay, Till uh, the Medicine Til Takes. Till the Medicine Takes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, same guy. And actually, I'm fortunate because this has like the whole... Uh, reflective hologram thing on yeah, it. Yeah. The later version, the re- later issued versions of it is it's like a bad photocopy of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty. They couldn't afford probably to keep pressing that. Sure. Uh, um, so yeah, Flournoy Holmes, look him up. He's he's still he's got a huge beard, and uh, still still working. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah. My my last one that I really like is um, by this woman who I found nothing else about her anywhere um it's traffic's on the road oh yeah uh, great which yeah. uh i think is it's a cool kind of postmodern yeah. very craft uh, illustration work. yes yes it is. Yeah. yeah yeah great colors on there Auto bump there yeah right. yeah yeah and even the uh the sleeves the record sleeves are, are pretty cool uh, yeah. all the street signs i have that record it's a really good, yeah yeah a good record. Um, but yeah nothing about her it's cool though because all music all music.com uh, they they have a uh, you can sort by artist. Oh wow! Um, by album credits. cover artist. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they they even um, uh, categorize uh, all of them in their database, and so you can see you know exactly everything that Florida Holmes has has worked on or been credited for. That's cool. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, but but for her um, and find her name here, Anne Anne Borthwick. Uh, yeah, nothing else on Anne Borthwick. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's that, that's a bunch of art that I enjoy. Sweet. 
Very cool. Very cool. Oh, are, are we going to go back around and talk about the ones we hate? <laughs> oh, um, we can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Gabe, you, you go ahead, and then we'll talk about ones oh. that we hate. All right. Um, sure. Well, you know, the three that I selected, and uh, I've got one physical album that I'm going to share, but these three I don't have. So, um, you know, in front of me, but um, you'll be able to see them um, soon. Um, I chose these because I thought they were really um, evocative of of the decade in which they were released. So those that was my criteria. So these are three of my favorite album covers that are very emblematic of their decade. Um, the first one is Forever Changes, uh, the love record. I had that one out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not only is a phenomenal album, um, but yeah, there you go. Um, it's by an artist by the name of Bob Pepper, who um, did a lot of really cool um, sci-fi paperback covers as well, okay. like like Philip K. Dick books. Um, and he's just he's got a really cool style. Um, and yeah, so that that was always that's always been one of my favorite album covers. Um, that is totally iconic, especially for the time. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, 19- I think so. and his album cover for the Franz Schubert is amazing. Mm-hmm. If, if you Google uh, Bob Pepper, Franz Schubert is fantastic. Yeah. He's, he's a great artist. Um, yeah. Everything's got uh, sort of, I don't know. This stuff's kind of his, his, those Philip K. Dick covers kind of have this sort of clockwork Orange type feel to them. They're, yeah. or, uh, I don't know how else to put it, but uh, yeah. So that's one of my favorites from the sixties. Um, one of my favorites from the seventies, um, is, uh, Al Stewart's record year of the cat, you know, probably definitely Al Stewart's biggest record from 76. And, um, I like the, I I like the, the, you know, I like the illustration. Yeah. Um, The cartoon style. Yeah. The kind of, yeah, that style. Um, you know, it's this, obviously this woman who's really obsessed with feline things. Um, yeah. You kind of just see her in, in the mirror, in the reflection up there as well. Um, it's by um, Colin Elgie is the name of the artist, but he was working for Hypnosis, um, which, you know, I think if we bring up um, album covers, you know, we have to mention them. Because, uh, you know, you name uh, an iconic British record from the 70s uh, and most like, you know, and they they did it, particularly a lot of the the prog stuff. Mm. Um, So, you know, the Pink Floyd albums they did. um, They did a lot of the UFO records, uh, including Phenomenon, which is also one of my favorite album covers as well. Um, You know, they did Alan Parsons, iRobot. Um, I mean, the list, they did Zeppelin, you know, they did, they did Into the Outdoor, they did Presence. Um, I mean, you name Dark Side of the Moon, you, you name it. I mean, they, they, they kind of own the seventies. Um, and, uh, so this was, this is a, a piece of work in their portfolio, but it's not, it, it wasn't done by one of their more well-known artists. So, um, <laughs> not, it wasn't by what's the famous guy, what Strom Thorgensen, is that his name? Um, that was, I think, or, um, hypnosis i, I don't know actually yeah uh yeah i believe i he, think you're right yeah uh and I, I apologize if i mispronounced the name um but he, yeah it was it was one of their lesser known artists but still um you know part of the part of the great hypnosis catalog 
uh, from the 70s. So yeah, Al Stewart's Year of the Cat. I love that cartoon kind of feel to it. Um, you know, they did they did Genesis Records as well. And for the 80s, um, you know, I when I I remember when this album came out in 1985 or 86. And um, let me see, I think it's 86 actually. Uh, I remember seeing the painting and always just my whole life really liking the painting. And it's it's certainly an 80s painting. Um, it's You see it and it just immediately, you're like, yeah, wow, that was definitely painted in the 80s. But um, <laughs> I like that. And the music video kind of shows the painting made. Um, uh, it's Play Deep by The Outfield, which I think is a great pop rock record as well. Um, and the art is, the art is by um, a woman by the name of Patty Dryden. And um, her other album covers... Like the only one I kind of recognize that she did, other than this outfield one, was uh, she did one of Squeeze's album covers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, she's it's this sort of abstract painting of the three band members within the outfield. Um, and I've just I've always wanted just like a really big picture of it to put on my wall, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on a backdrop, you know? Or... We'll have one of those like inspirational quotes underneath it Josie's on a vacation far away <laughs> right like dot 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 like inspirational wall quote yeah 61 seconds is all it takes um so yeah so that that you know that it's one of those image those album covers that just kind of stuck with me my whole life and then you know I bought that CD I don't I don't have it handy or I think I might have it might have been uh I might have um, sold it when I went digital uh totally online but, uh, yeah, you know, it always just stuck with me. And, um, you know, it's just if I think of an 80s album cover, um, that's 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 one of the first ones that comes to mind, you know. Yeah. No, like, you know, Levi showed the Van Halen cover and that's there are a lot of covers from the 80s that are more iconic. But that just to me represents um, that that moment in time. Yeah. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. So I um and uh, there's also. um kind of on the 80s kick um i I, i've 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 been listening to more as i've told you guys kind of some more electronic music lately not necessarily like the skrillex you know david guida kind of dance (laughs) more more of the kind of the the chill um stuff and then some of the kind of quirkier stuff and there's a guy if you ever get a chance um i think he's german um dj named kavinsky is the name he goes by so just Google any of his stuff. It's it's, it's all '80s inspired, and it's just it's really cool. Um, so we'll we'll post a link to some of his artwork or his the album covers uh, line, and um, you know these are certainly like you know they're they're throwing the '80s in your face with with these kind of new throwback covers. Uh, there's another band called VHS Dreams, obviously. Um, yeah. You know <laughs> that, and there's another one called Miami Horror. Um, some of their their album covers too, I, I really dig as well, and they and all of them have kind of a throwback feel to them, and then and even the music itself kind of has that sort of you know they're they're influenced by kind of the the what's the the Jan Hammer you know kind of stuff yeah. from the eighties, which I like. Um, so yeah, so a lot of the a lot of the sort of more electronic music I think right now is putting out some of the cooler album covers in an era where you know, the physical album, you know, itself maybe doesn't get as much attention as it used yeah, to, right. obviously. Yeah. 
Right. So yeah, I'm always I'm always drawn to some of those newer electronic album covers. Um, yeah. Really cool. And then well, the one that I'll show you um, is from '69 as well that I've got um, here. Oops, uh, King Crimson. Right, this one right here. Legendary. Legendary cover i had to this is you know i i saw that you guys had physical you know copies i'm like oh, i gotta grab something so so i went with this um love this work here and then also if you open up the inside right um the cover guy by barry godber um i need to get a new sleeve here uh but anyway yeah this is the the image on the inside here so this is pretty tripped out shit here <laughs> um so yeah it uh in the court of the king crimson so here we are. Good See, stuff. This is one of my. <laughs> Lastly, as well, and Levi and I were talking about this the other day. The music is kind of you know it was okay. They've got a they've got, obviously had a great single in Driver's Seat, but all of Sniffing the Tears album covers um, from like the late seventies, early eighties are all really good too. Well, and they are all that, uh, that's the singer in the band. They're like photo realistic paintings. Yeah. They're very realistic paintings. Um, uh, and they're all just really cool. They're all, they're all kind of naughty, you know, kind of yeah. like sexual, yeah. but they're also kind of dark too. You know what I mean? There's kind of this yeah. underlying kind of darkness oh, yeah. too. Um, so yeah, they're kind of, they're really kind of seductive, um, album covers yeah, yeah they're well, beautiful yeah the yeah. uh i could listen to driver's seat like over and over just like, like the tone of that song i love yeah I it's got it's i don't know it's got almost like kind of a melancholy tone but then they like kick it into the chorus and stuff and i don't know it's it's a great tune yeah it is and he's, he's got kind of a nasally kind of dylan-esque voice yeah 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 killer killer song um, but yeah, they're all their album covers. I've, and I've listened to most of those albums and, you know, some of the albums are kind of ho-hum. Um, but the, the art, the artwork is awesome on all of, on those. Snippets. Well, and just the, that besides being the vocalist, he's like taking the time to photo realistically paint all their album covers. Yeah. He was he immersed, um, in his, in his work. Yeah, definitely. So those are my selections. Well done. Yeah. So, uh, so Yeah. Um, I, as far as ones that I hate, you know, I, I'll let you guys start with those. Um, yeah. I was trying to think. I, I was going to let Jonathan go while I try and think of one. I All just right. can't stand. All right. Well, yeah, I'm going to start with probably one of the most uh, in, important albums of all time. And we just take its cover for granted. Well, yeah, it's it's a risque cover. But we for some reason, we don't question the quality of it. And I think we should. And it's Nirvana's Nevermind. It is. It's an awful album cover with uh, the baby swimming, uh, floating, and uh, in, in front of the dollar bill, the the awfully photoshopped dollar bill with a hook through it. Um, yeah. If if this said if if it didn't say Nirvana Nevermind and and said it could say anything else, and you official. you would always see it in the cutout bin. You'd be like, oh god, I fucking hate that cover. You know, you see it everywhere. But since it's, you know, one of the most important albums of all time, you don't say that. You just take it for, uh, you know, as part of it. Um, apparently, Cobain originally wanted the cover to be an underwater birth, a fo- an actual photo of an underwater birth. But they couldn't um, swing it, I guess, too graphic or it would cost too much. 
so the photographer went in, uh, to a, uh, uh, a literal baby pool and, and snapped this photo one afternoon. And then I guess they put in the, the dollar bill later in Photoshop 1.0. Yeah. It's awful looking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, I, um, I, I it's, it's bad. But, you know, a lot of early 90s stuff, like Pearl Jam's 10 album, I, I think is, you know, it's kind of pink and, and you know, it's got them with, the, you know, doing the, the, the like the basketball yeah. uh, pose. And I think it's kind of cheesy. Uh, right. When they reissued it, they, they muted it a bit. They made it more kind of a tan, yeah. golden color. It's like a brown paper bag. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and that, that helped. Um, but after 10, I think they got a lot a lot better but yeah there was a lot of poor design in the 90s in the 90s the advent of computer-aided graphics yeah that or everybody went with kind of like the blurred photo yes yes a lot of those yeah yeah there just wasn't a lot of care put into it you know or maybe there was a lot of thought and i just didn't pick up on it but yeah everybody just had like uh just like a, a blurred photo or like levi said you know it was just computers hadn't come that far yet so everyone was they were using them poorly yeah <laughs> technology and it just it just wasn't there yet yeah they um, wanted it to work but it, it didn't uh, work yeah. yeah um yeah so and, and lots of like and lots of purples for some reason and mauves in yeah. uh in 90s uh, the design rockies if you want to put a, a baseball <laughs> you know like before before the rockies like purple just had no place in baseball <laughs> right well, no and then the diamondbacks took it for a while too yeah yep oh hey what i forgot one of uh one of my favorite um fun album covers is um is bex the information where it came with a grid and so it was a blank grid and then it came with a pack of stickers and you got to decorate the grid as you saw fit. So this is this was my decoration of of uh, the go. information. And I think actually I'm going to add another one to it because they give you a couple extra grids in there. So I think I'm going to change it up. Cool. Yeah. I, it's always neat when they can incorporate different artistic aspects or like. I remember there's a Three Dog Night record where you get like some like cards of the band or something. I'm trying to think of which three dog. I think it's the three dog night record that has like wildflowers or sunflowers on the cover. Dude, speaking of three dog night records, <laughs> that creepy ass album cover that whatever it is giving birth to a record. Oh, uh, talking about yeah, they where they had like a band aid over it or something, and you had to like peel it away to see it. Dude, that will give you nightmares if you look at that <laughs> that album cover. <laughs> yeah, there's my vote, dude. Um, I oh, guess... there it is. Yeah, hard labor uh, is the name uh, of the album. Hard labor. Oh, uh, oh. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, our, 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 I guess artistically, it has. You know, it's from the '70s, so it's it's just creepy. Um, so yeah, and, and you know, like a, a like a pop act, like Three Dog Night, put out that album cover. It's like, whoa. That's, yeah, that's messed up. Yeah. Um, for mine that I don't like, um, not only is this an album of the Hagar era, um, but Balance by Van Halen. What the hell? You got these naked kids split in half on a seesaw. (laughs) What? Yeah. And it's just the fonts ugly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like pretentious, you know, like it's just 
what what are you doing? I was I I mean, should I guess I can I'll be I'll be bold and say I don't know if they had a decent a decent Van Hagar album cover. I mean, like fifty one fifty is what like the like a muscle guy holding the earth or whatever, right, yeah. or something. And no, you uh, it's just a black and white photo. Yeah, it's like just a black and white. It's like it's their Meet the Beatles yeah. version. Are those actual conjoined twins on <laughs> on balance? I, I, if it is, then that makes it even creepier. No. Yeah, <laughs> that, that I, I, yeah that album creeps me out. Um, you know, I'll, I'll when. When one of your favorite bands puts out a dumb album cover, that makes it even harder. And it's a terrible, it's a, it's their worst album, but also, I mean, the By Your Side cover is just. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, you got all them in like costumes. And yeah, it would be like ironic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, and they're all in like white. So, like, I'm like, is that like, it's got to be like the speed era of the band. <laughs> like, they're all just like on speed and they're like, this is a great fucking idea, man. Let's just put some fucking suits on. <laughs> I want to know what was going through Eddie's head when he had to put on a costume. Well, and like boa doesn't one of them have a boa? Yeah, yeah. or somebody's got like a boa on. So Amorca is the best album cover of of their catalog. I think so. Yeah. Southern yeah. Harmony is in a in a close second. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. For a band photo, yeah, that's right. Cool. Um, I was also going to think about, um, you know, are there any, um, you know, if if just like the photo of the artist sometimes, you know, doesn't really always. Uh, you know um you know a lot of times i think we're kind of more drawn to artwork right um but for some reason robert palmer on riptide he's got a kind of that shit-eating grin on his face oh, yeah. you know? it's like it's like palmer you good-looking <laughs> son of a bitch you've done it again yes. <laughs> I mean? right look at that fucker on right? yeah oh yeah, yeah. for sure <laughs> You know, yeah. it's like you know, because somebody like you know, photographer was like you know, because Palmer was a Mac, you know, like they were just oh, like yeah. have fun last night, Robert. He's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you know, just totally, I say, you know, just waltz down from. Oh, his... dude, and speaking of covers, man, he had some classic covers. Oh yeah, the uh, the one Clues where he's the 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 Robert Palmer album called Clues. He's wearing like a, a '80s Walkman with like a head, like a cassette walkman in the middle of like an ocean it's like a drawing of them yeah, yeah. and then uh the double fun record <laughs> it's got like the there's like a pool and they're like sitting there and like you just see like her bikini top laying out palmer you sleazy sob yeah, um awesome. yeah so, <laughs> so yeah good I, stuff. I, yeah, definitely. Like, if I could, like, if there's, like, some kind of, like, ar- artistic artist generator, I would take, like, Bob Seger and Robert Palmer and, like, pour them together and, like, see what came out. <laughs> it's, like, two of the greatest forces ever. <laughs> like, the cockiness of Palmer, but just, like, the screeching, kick-ass songwritingness of Seger. You might have made the perfect artist there. <laughs> I agree. Definitely. Definitely. It would be, uh... <laughs> yeah. Stranger in Riptide, the album's called, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but no, I mean, overall, like, in terms of, like, an overarching commentary, I guess, you know, when I when I stroll through RDO, which is one of the reasons I'm really going to miss RDO, is that 
you see these album covers, uh, you know, uh, new releases on tomorrow, you know, it'll be all the new releases and you can just keep scrolling and scrolling and, and I will literally judge the book by its cover yeah, and, and press play based on the album cover because it says a lot, you know, it, it says what the artist thinks about, you know, their music and how much thought that they put into the album cover itself. It doesn't look cheap. It looks well produced, that sort of thing. Now, well, it, it's I, not foolproof. Yeah. No, you, but, but I agree. That's that's what a good album is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you be like, I should listen to this. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. And yeah, that's that. I mean, that's how I've come across some of these really interesting electronic albums lately. You know, sure. is some of the album the album art's awesome. So yeah, yeah. That's what that's what makes um, new country even more terrible. I think is because <laughs> all of the album covers are just like it's. You look at all the albums of like you know, a con- any country artist from like the late '80s, early '90s to now. It's just a different photo of the person. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. It's like, mm. like yeah. it's just like, like a Christmas photo. Yeah, <laughs> like they got a coat thrown over their shoulder on one. Like, you know? Yeah, right. One of them maybe they're like they're in, maybe you might see like kind of like a blurred barn behind them. Maybe <laughs> they're feeling adventurous, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, let's go ahead and go on then to our um, the recommendations. recommendations. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads me perfectly because mine oh. is uh, a guy who was in the country rock vein for the latter portion of his career. And that is an album I picked up at a thrift store, and it's pretty pretty good. It's from 1987, mm-hmm. and it's Doug Same Live. Oh, Doug Sam? Yeah, yeah. Doug Sam, right. yeah. And so... He was, uh, for the folks at home who don't know, he was the Sir Douglas of the Sir Douglas Quintet. And uh, they had a big hit in the 60s with a song called She's About a Mover, which there's a really great video on YouTube of them doing. It's black and white. And the reason they called themselves the Sir Douglas Quintet is because they, like, if you hear them talk, they were from Texas. They're like, you know... (laughs) Kind of rednecky Texas people. Oh, yeah. But they did it to, like, capitalize on all the British invasion stuff. And it, like, kind of worked. Like, they got really popular. Mm-hmm. And um, in that song on, on YouTube, they do, like, a little dance as they sing it. It's very British. But it's, like, t- some guys from Texas pretending to be British. Nice. <laughs> is Mendocino on there by any chance? Uh, No, not on this. This is, uh, it's got a, quite a few covers it's got turn on your love light stagger lee nice um mr pitiful the uh otis redding tune um he don't love you like i do uh next time you see me so yeah there's like three grateful dead so like songs of the dead play uh he does a james brown medley on here uh of all go crazy think please 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 and night train and this is, I want to say, like, right before he kind of got the Texas Tornadoes going, because that was going on sometime in the late 80s, early 90s as well, where it was uh, it was Doug and Freddie Fender and, I want to say, who's it? His uh, accordion player, oh, Jocko, I want to say Jocko <laughs> But anyway, the Texas Tornadoes are great, too. If you're into... Uh, kind of Tex-Mex country rock. Yeah. Oh yeah, like them as well. Definitely. And like I said, this this solo live record kind of just appears like 
him just kind of playing a bunch of songs he wanted to play. Because, uh, like I said, most of them are covers. Nice. But it's it's good. Yeah, check it out. Dark Psalm. Yeah, the Bottle Rockets, um, uh, it's been probably about 15 years ago or now, they did an album of all his songs. Um, nice. It's pretty good, too. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, mine is, this was a find, uh, especially exciting for me. I'm, I'm, I'm big into uh, Brazilian Tropicalia music. Uh, and uh, this is uh, a compilation called uh, Brazilian Guitar Fuzz Bananas. Wow. Uh, because of course it's called that. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, a compilation of uh, uh, tropicalia, like psychedelic tropicalia, a little bit more psychedelic, uh, from like '67 to '76. Um, incidentally, it starts off with a cover of like the Batman theme, um, <laughs> but it's pretty awesome. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's uh, not much more to say about it other than if you like uh, you know awesome fuzzy guitars. And uh, with kind of a new angle that uh, that they were doing down in Brazil in the uh, 60s and 70s. Uh, nice. This is a hell of a compilation. I don't know if you can find it online or anything. Um, I just uh, got some Sergio Mendes records the other yeah, day. Yeah. And like he's from from yeah, that yeah. whole era that yeah, we've seen. Yeah, yeah he was around then. Yeah. Um, this is but this this will take you on a trip, man. I highly recommend it. Uh, Brazilian guitar fuzz bananas. Nice. Cool. Good deal. I like the name. Um, and for names for this album, I'm going to recommend. This is a relatively new record. Just came out a couple uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, uh, the artist's name um, is uh, named Mark McGuire, so um, <laughs> fits our podcast, right? Um, but he spells it M C, then capital G U I R E. Oh, uh, like Dan. Yeah. Right. So. Um, He's also played under the names um, People's Parties, Sun Watcher, as well, and then Sky Ramp, Sky Ramps. He's always got pretty good names for his projects, and yeah, he's he's it's kind of he's a kind of an experimental sort of electronic artist. Um, but you know, he plays in addition to playing, you know, a MacBook. You know, he plays <laughs> he, he plays guitars as well um, on his stuff. So there there is sort of still kind of an organic feel to some of it. Um, the album is called Beyond Belief, and it's it's definitely one of my favorite records of the year so far. Wow. Um, I'd, 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 I'd be curious to hear what either of you guys thought of it as well. Um, it's all instrumental, aside from maybe like there's like a chorus to a few tunes, and, you know, some just some really kind of trippy, but also a lot of it's really kind of... Um, kind of positive as well like for lack of a better term you know it's like it's kind of some of it's sort of uplifting sounding as well mm-hmm. um so i'd be curious what to see what you guys thought okay. of it and um it's kind of it's a journey you know what i mean like it's you know like you know you got a got a 16 minute number on there a 15 minute number a 10 minute number um and it seems like there's sort of a theme to it as well um there's there's even though it's instrumental and you look at the song titles and the you know the the, how those songs sound um there's there's kind of a, a there seems to be sort of a storyline okay. as well so yeah mark mcguire beyond Check the it out. really really the, uh, another instrumental record that just dropped recently was that circles around the sun oh yeah the neil casal thing yeah. it's all the music that he made for the grateful dead set breaks so it's just yeah. all this like oh, instrumental really? it's yeah. all instrumental music right on. yeah it so was, i haven't I, heard any of it so i i'm 
Yeah, have, well, yeah either... I, I heard it at the show, and I wondered what it, everybody was kind of wondering what it was. You know, everybody was like, "Huh?" Um, so yeah, it was it was cool though that they commissioned him, you know, to make their set break music. I think that's pretty cool, you know, other yeah. as opposed to just playing, you know, whatever. I listened to part of the compilation that they released uh, from that weekend. Oh, the last show. The yeah, first... I didn't like the slowed down shakedown street. It was kind of sluggish. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was about the. Uh, you know, I, I I've got to listen to that one again. I've listened to the last night and the first night. Shakedown kicked off the second night, so uh, oh, okay. Is it that? Um, I thought they did a really good job of some of the less popular dead tunes from the '80s. Like I really like um, what is it? Uh, the uh, the days between. I thought sounded really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Anyway. Right on. So, all right, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, check out our website, rockchew.com, for all kinds of fun stuff, um, including a lot of the bands and, and baseball facts that we mentioned on the podcast. Also, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at rockinchew, um, so you can uh, check us out there. And uh, like us on Facebook, and um, yeah, we'll be uh, checking back in with you soon. So... Have a wonderful night, and uh, we'll talk to you later. See See you. Take care.